This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, welcome into another week here of Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. We've got Eric Stevens coming up at the top of the hour. He covers the Anaheim Ducks and the LA Kings for the Athletics, so we can get into a little bit of the game from last night where the LA Kings just dismantled the Calgary Flames 8-2 and look ahead to tonight's game against the Anaheim Ducks, the second half of a back-to-back in Southern California. And then later on the show, we're going to talk to Julian McKenzie. He covers the Calgary Flames also for the Athletic. His take. I mean, on his first year in Calgary, it's been an interesting year to have your uh, first year on the beat covering the Flames uh, and kind of get uh, Jack, I guess, as Logo calls him, get his take on how things are going this season for Calgary and, and what comes next for this team. As I mentioned, the Flames lose a big one to the Kings last night. Uh, eight to two really, to put it lightly, hurts that flickering playoff hope that we've been discussing on this show, on this station. Um, this is a team that has very much kind of pulled you in and made you think, okay, there is a chance. And then there'll be games like last night and you just say, okay. Maybe not. Meanwhile, the Winnipeg Jets still haven't really gotten back on the tracks. Um, so the opening is there, but I don't know how many people are looking at it as optimistically as maybe they were a couple days ago. Last week, it's been a lot of up and down, I would probably say, for Flames fans and people covering this team. Uh, Calgary goes down 4-1 to one in the first period. At that point, the way that they were playing, I mean, being outshot 10 nothing in the final 12 minutes of the first period, it was just done. Like Daryl Sutter said after the game, like after that period, your game plan is just flush it. <laughs> And keep going. So they got to get ready for the next one. Again, uh, a game against the Anaheim Ducks tonight. Somebody asked if I'm turning into a robot. Cam, am I sounding very robotic right now? A couple sputters here and there, but we're working on it. Oh, oh, is there a technical difficulty? I thought he was just saying something about my voice. No, we're working on it. You're good, though. (laughs) Okay, well, that's good to know. I thought they were just like, am I sounding very robotic at the moment? Like, do I just sound disinterested so that's good to know let me know how that goes cam uh but last night the flames were were outplayed at five on five completely i mean the kings have been one of the best teams in the league since the all-star break and they showed that last night and again we'll get into the la kings and that game more in a moment when eric stevens joins us on the program uh, but before that, I want to get to a bit of the the news of the day around the league, and that is the fanatic steal. And this has been a big talker on social media with a lot of fans who are not particularly happy with it. So Fanatics will become the NHL's official ice uniform outfitter in 2024-25. They've signed a 10-year agreement. Uh, Fanatics has been an option for buying merchandise and other fan apparel for a while now. They've kind of been a big e-commerce player with all four major leagues. Um, but now they're going to be essentially the only company to get NHL jerseys, merchandise, etc. once Adidas is done next season. Uh, a lot of people have issues 
with Fanatics, things that they have purchased from Fanatics in the past in terms of the cost, the quality of the items they got. I, I was saying to Cam before we got on, like, I'm pretty sure I've ordered something before from Fanatics that just didn't come in. And I didn't want to deal with the customer service. So I was just like, okay, I guess I'm not getting that t-shirt that I ordered. Um, so no Nike swoosh, no Adidas stripes. It'll be the kind of flag F fanatics logo for NHL jerseys starting in 2024-25. So one thing that, uh, and I saw this in Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, his piece uh, on ESPN.com was fanatics has actually made the Nike branded MLB uniform since 2017 for all 30 teams. So this isn't, a completely new thing. Um, obviously, the MLB jerseys are Nike branded, so you still get the swoosh on on the MLB uniforms. But Fanatics has been the ones that have been manufacturing those uniforms. So naturally, we can imagine that the quality that players are going to be receiving to wear on the ice are going to be different than the ones that people have gotten in the mail with the messed up lettering or a name spelt wrong or, you know, the, the logo falling off. I think we can expect it to be better than that when it's actually on Elias Lindholm or Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, etc. But I think the question still remains is, is the fan experience in buying these authentic jerseys or the um, kind of quote unquote cheaper options or t-shirts or hats, whatever it may be, is that going to improve? Because that is where people have the issues. And, and with it being fanatics, that's going to be basically the only place to get these items. Uh, I saw in the ESPN article from Greg that you can still get NHL merchandise that's produced by Aaron Andrews. She has a brand like 47 is still going to have their merch. But at the end of the day, Fanatics is going to be kind of the main one-stop shop for your NHL merchandise, jerseys, etc. The fact that the early reviews have been so bad and, you know, fans don't always agree on everything. But this seems to be something that everyone can agree on is that they're not happy with this new deal. Um, it just is one of those additional indicators that the league either doesn't know or does not care what their fans want. And that's one of the things that we that we see when it comes to we hear Gary Bettman say all the time, nobody hates our new ads on the boards. Nobody dislikes our current playoff format. Those things aren't true. Um, and the league is also kind of boxing itself in with another 10-year deal after the NBC TV deal. That didn't go over well. Now they're jumping into another 10-year deal with a partner Kind of shows they haven't learned a whole lot from that either. Um, we just looking through the text line here. It looks like somebody else ordered uh, something from Fanatics and, and never got it. <laughs> so that's, I'm so sorry that that happened to you also. I uh, w I was going to buy my dad a Beau Bichette jersey, one of the baby blue ones for Christmas because he loves the Blue Jays, loves baseball, thought I thought that would be a nice little gift. And it was like $250 or something. Like It's not cheap to buy these things that don't come in and aren't to the quality 
Like who who wants to spend? I understand people who like to collect jerseys, and I, I actually do quite like a lot of the Adidas ones. We spent so much time, you know, talking about the reverse retros over the last year. Every time those come out, I, I am a big fan of of the product that Adidas has put out with those jerseys. But I'm also not going to go and spend two three hundred dollars on on a jersey and maybe that's just me because the position I'm in you know I'm, I'm in the press box or I'm in a radio studio but even when I was a fan that wasn't something that I was particularly throwing money at so that's the news of the day it's the Fanatics deal they'll be the NHL's official on ice uniform outfitter in 2024-25 in a 10-year agreement that was announced this afternoon. So with that, we're going to go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline and uh, talk a little bit about the Southern California hockey teams. Flames are on that road trip in SoCal. Let's uh, chat with Eric Stevens. He joins us now on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Eric, do you have a thought on the jerseys or do we want to get right into what's going on with the Kings and the Ducks? Seems like everyone's upset with the Fanatics deal. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've been reading that uh, all morning, Haley. And uh, <laughs> you know what? The, the, the thing is, I, I, I can't say that I, I, I'm a guy that's really into the jersey thing. It, yeah. It's just not mm-hmm. my bag, um, just in general. So I don't have a real connection to that. I, I, I've had one jersey, team-related jersey in my life, and that was a Dodgers one from uh, many years ago that I have uh, sadly – outgrown in in the wrong way <laughs> or whatsoever so um yeah I, I i i can't even fathom spending three hundred dollars on something something really almost anything to wear <laughs> to be honest with you yeah you're but right yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's really it's really caused a stir to the in the uh, hockey world uh, this morning hasn't it oh yeah absolutely and we've got the text line open here 960 and it seems like you know, our listeners aren't super happy about it either. So something to kind of keep an eye on because that's coming. And I'm sure it'll, people will continue to talk about it because they're, they're the outfitter for the next 10 years, Eric. So this isn't going away anytime soon. But uh, let's go to the game last night, 8-2 win by the L.A. Kings. What did you make of that game between the Flames and the Kings last night? You know what? Uh, I tell you what, it, it, it really just spoke to really it was almost an extreme version of where the two teams are at these days i mean you know calgary has just it's almost like been a season where they just haven't been able to really gain some real traction uh you know really over the course of the entire year and um you know really a disappointing effort by the flames considering you know, this is a huge trip, obviously, into Southern California here. They've got to get points. You'd imagine that would they would be a very, very desperate group. And they were boat raced from the get-go, <laughs> um, you know, by the Kings, who are scorching right now. I mean, they, they, they've got points in 10 straight. Eight of them are wins. They're scoring goals. Um, but maybe more importantly, they're preventing them as well. Uh, their offense is clicking, but... They've uh, during that ten game stretch, they, they've allowed two or fewer goals in all of those games. So it it, it just spoke to me a, a really an extreme example of where the, the spaces that the two teams are at right now. Mm-hmm. Well, the Kings continue to kind of climb the Pacific Division, climb in the West. They've been one of the top teams since the All Star break. They're currently on an eight zero and two run. Like, do you look at this team and think that we're looking at a, a legitimate? contender 
in the Western Conference? You know what? I, I, I'm almost there. Um, I know I sort of, you know, wrote, I, I mean, I did write the fact that they are a contender in the West because of the fact that the West is wide open. Uh, you know, it, it, there really is no dominant superpower. Um, Colum- I mean, not Columbus, Colorado uh, is certainly trending up that way. Uh, and, and they're red hot as we speak. And you can see where they would still be the considered the favorite to come out of the West, given obviously they, they're the defending champs and, and they still have plenty of talent. But, uh, you know, the, the, the next day uh, that they're fully healthy will be the first uh, this year. They've, they've just had injuries all throughout the thing. But uh, as you look at it right now, uh, there, there isn't a team that's head and shoulders above anyone else in the West. Um, and, and the way the Kings that are, are, are playing right now, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, what people sort of sleep on is just how deep they really are. That, yes, they don't have that, say, superstar level talent but uh, they, they've got a 30 you know another 34 goal score in adrian kempe um they, they've got a, obviously you know a a, a you know a, a captain in andre kopitar who's playing more like he's 25 as opposed to 35 um and they've got four lines that they can throw at teams uh that can uh, deliver some offense uh i think carl grenstrom had two goals yesterday he's now i believe their uh, eighth or ninth player that's uh, that scored uh, double j- digits and goals and they've got five 20 goal scores so they're getting that they're getting the goaltending uh, that they've been looking for uh, really all year um it mm-hmm. this really is a solid group from top to bottom so I, I can see where you know could could they lose in the first round sure you know in a, in a matchup whatsoever that's how balanced you know the top of the west is but can they you know can they win a couple of rounds can they get to the cup final i don't see why not you know what? I know you had a story in The Athletic about this, Eric, and it, they are a very deep team, and there's so many individual players we could dive into, like Adrian Kempe, um, their goaltending picture. But what do you make of Quinton Byfield's progress this year, and how important could he end up becoming for a stretch run or, or playoffs for the Kings? You know, he, he can be a very important figure, and, and you know, what's what's been essential for him and let's remember, he's 20, okay? He hasn't even turned 21 yet. Um, but what's been essential for him is, is, is that, uh, one, not too much has been put on the plate. The Kings don't need him to score 25 goals or, uh, or put up 60, 70 points. They, they didn't need that. This was always going to be, um, you know, sort of a, uh, a, 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 a big picture um, uh, or a long-range development uh, deal with Quinton, really from the you know the moment that he was drafted. Um, but what you're seeing right now, for one, Todd McClellan's move of him to left wing and and putting him on the top line with Kempe and Kopitar really has helped unlock the best things of what Quinton is doing right now. And and what that is 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 that. He's using that big six foot five body on the boards, and he's chasing down. I mean, he's a great skater for his size. I mean, he's a terrific skater, to be honest with you. Um, and he's using that to chase pucks, to win board battles. He's doing a lot of um, the unglamorous work, sort of the dirty work for those other two who are playing off of that, and they can get into space and they can create. Um, uh, and, and have the added room, you know, to do what they do. 
And I think you know, going forward, really, not only down the stretch, but more importantly, when you get into a playoff series, it becomes much, much more about matchups. Well, those three guys, that's a big line. Um, that, that, that can skate, in particularly Byfield and Kempe. Uh, and, you know, so that, that can really pre- present some issues for, you know, imposing, an opposing team, given that they run six foot two, six foot three, six foot five across that top line. Again, they're not 100 point scores here. You know, there's no supernova <laughs> like Connor McDavid on that line or whatsoever. But, sure. you, know, when you, get in, you know, when you get into the playoffs and it gets more physical, uh, you know, space becomes a little bit more limited and, and whatsoever. That's where not only their cycle game can become really effective, but they've still got the ability to score off the rush as well. Mm-hmm. Philip Deneau in the playoffs against Connor McDavid might have been one of my more like entertaining and enjoyable experiences because he just matches up against guys so well. Like he's one of my favorite players to watch. I have a real appreciation for a guy like Philip Deneau who can go out <laughs> when it matters the most and, you know, almost try to quiet down the best player in the world who was on a mission to get to the second, <laughs> third round to the Stanley Cup final. Um, this is all really useful information because the Flames and the Kings will face off again next Tuesday, a week from now, in Calgary. Um, but let's move on to the Ducks a little bit here, Eric, because that's the game tonight. Flames and Ducks, second half of a back-to-back for the Flames and for you. Who uh, who covers both of these teams for the Athletic? What's uh, what's going on in Ducksland right now? It's one of those teams where I mean they beat the Flames a couple of weeks ago, um, you know. But maybe at least in Canada we don't hear about them too too much. They're kind of in the basement of the league standing. So what do we need to know about uh, Anaheim? Yeah, no, sure. I mean, well, you know, they're they're, they're one of those teams. They're obviously at the very bottom of the standings, and uh, they're more in that race. Uh, for uh, uh, you know, for, for for that number one spot in the draft lottery, and and and, and you know, obviously the uh, chance to to draft Connor Bedard, uh, you know, here and really they're 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 just really in a, a real state of a of a rebuild um, here in Anaheim, and as you know, what, you know, really from the from the get go, even from last you know season, when Pat Verbeek. Um, trade away, traded away, you know, several, uh, you know, key um, potential, uh, you know, unrestricted free agents, uh, you know, the t- at the top of that list, you know, Hampus Lindholm, uh, obviously, that 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 showed, you know, the direction that he was going to take this club, that they were going to embark on a real rebuild uh, um, here, and it's going to be built around Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry and, and Mason McTavish, uh, Jamie Drysdale, when, when he comes back next season, I know he's been out uh, this year. He suffered that uh, shoulder injury at, at, at the start of the year. Um, and then obviously whoever they uh, do draft this summer, um, you know, if they do stay at least in that top five slot, you know, with the chances of, uh, uh, of may, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, moving up. That said, mm-hmm. they've got to lose more often than than they are, and and, and sort of it, it's funny how, you know, we talk about how, you know, organizations quote unquote tank or you know they don't go you know they don't do much to try to improve their chances, and certainly we're seeing that to to, to varying degrees, you know, here in in the Bedard sweepstakes, uh, you know, that are coming, but 
you know, it's funny with, with, with Anaheim, players don't. Players absolutely don't tank, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. They're out there yeah. to, you know, to win. And Anaheim, because of those, some of those pieces that I mentioned, and they've got a goalie in John Gibson who, even though the overall numbers don't look hot uh, this season, still has very much the capability of stealing games here because, uh, you know, he, he's, he's working behind the, you know, the leakiest team uh, in the entire NHL. <laughs> Yeah, down the stretch here, they, they could get a few, you know, too many wins that could pull them out of, uh, you know, pull them out of the contention for drafting a guy like Bedard or an Anthony Anson Fantilli or Leo Carlson or Matt Vitnitschkov. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how I'm not sure quite sure how Pat Verbeek is feeling these days as he's seeing his club compete. Well, the Ducks currently have the fourth, the fourth best odds at getting Connor Bedard uh, sitting right now at 9.5%. So that's kind of, you know, one of the follow-up questions I had for you is like, what is best for this team to try to play some of that good, desperate hockey down the stretch? You know, steal a couple points from teams like Calgary, you know, get people out of the playoff race or, you know, be bad enough to improve your odds and get into that double digit space of drafting Connor Bedard. Like it, it seems like maybe fans are somewhat split on this. Um, but I think when I look at it, it's, you know, just, just do what you can to get Bedard here. Like this is a special player. <laughs> stop, stop winning hockey games. Come on. <laughs> you know what I, I tell you, and there are fans, Ducks fans, who are very much on that side of the fence. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it it is sort of a conflicting space um, that uh, that they are are in whatsoever. You know, here, Haley, this this is I, this is how I feel, and I know it's going to sound a little bit weird, you know, to say this whatsoever. I'm a big believer in karma. Um, as I've gone on, gotten on long more in the years whatsoever, I I, I just you know, somehow think that if you, you know, you know, put certain things out there, you know, into the atmosphere, it's funny how they, they, they sort of come back on you and whatsoever. I, yeah, I, I get it. The, you know, the thing, you know, the, you know, the logical thing, so to speak, would be to just lose on out, you know, down the stretch here and somehow try to work your way below uh, Chicago and San Jose and, uh, and Columbus. Uh, and whatsoever, and, and get your hands on on Bedard. I mean, you know, he, he's going to make any team uh, that he goes to uh, better whatsoever. But I do think of that young, you know, some of those young uh, players that I mentioned, some of that young core who, you know, frankly have been growing up in a losing atmosphere, uh, you know, here. I, I think you want to really establish some good, real good competitive habits um, over these final 11 or 12 games, you know, or, or so as you head into next year, because, you know, those, those guys are, are going to be the leaders. They're, they're going to be the, the leaders of this group um, for the next several seasons here. And so while, yeah, losing, it totally makes sense and all that whatsoever. But uh, we've seen, we've seen in the past that, you know, sometimes uh, I'm not saying necessarily for this draft, but sometimes when you don't win the lottery, you might uh, you might turn out okay uh, in, in the very end. I don't know. Ask the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, yeah. You know what they're doing? They're doing all right. How many times are you going to get Kale McCarr? What fourth overall? Not so sure. <laughs> but hey, I mean the Ottawa Senators a couple of years ago when they had when they were drafting. 
third and fifth overall. Uh, I was covering the team still at the time. And, you know, when they, you know, lost the draft lottery, um, the original kind of reaction from fans was like, this is, this is terrible. This sucks. We're drafting three and five. We're not drafting one. We're not going to get Alexi Lafreniere. We probably won't get Quinton Byfield. And you know what? Now they have. Tim Stutzla and Jake Sanderson, and they're they're doing quite all right with that, I would say. Um, you know, obviously Quentin Byfield is still young, and he's kind of finding his way. Alexi Lafreniere is doing the same, but I think uh, Sens did pretty well getting Stutzla and Sanderson that draft year. Um, who should be the next captain of the Anaheim Ducks, Eric? Are you in the camp of, you know, give the C to the kind of superstar who's going to sell the jerseys uh, and Trevor Zegris? Or are you kind of looking in the Mason McTavish camp, maybe a Troy Terry? What do we think? Who should wear the C in Anaheim uh, for the for the future of the franchise here? Uh, you know what? Uh, it, it's a great question, Haley. Uh, and, and it is one that I've thought about uh, over the course of the year. I know that uh, I know that Pat Verveek has, has said that he's not in any rush uh, to you know name a new captain. Um, uh, but I, but I did think that um, you know one sign being that say they they didn't immediately turn to one of their veterans like a Cam Fowler or, or whatsoever to uh, you know or an Adam Henrique. Uh, to wear the C. I, I think that really said a lot in the fact that I think they do want uh, eventually one of those younger guys um, to eventually have it. I, I'm putting my money more on, uh, you know, either, either Troy Terry or Mason McTavish. Um, you know, Troy Terry, you know, is, is one that, that he, he's very eager uh, to take on more of a leadership role with this club. He's been doing that uh, this year. And, and in fact, um, with Henrique uh, being out, he's been wearing uh, the A uh, now regularly. So that's that's how much the Ducks uh, think of uh, of him of him and his demeanor and you know the the, the lead the play that he shows on a nightly basis uh, on the ice. Uh, but I certainly would not be surprised if they may just uh, you know hold it out for another year and let Mason, you know, grow more, more and more into that role to eventually have it. He, you know, he's been obviously a captain in the past. He just plays like someone and, and really his whole demeanor is of someone that's much older than his age. Uh, this is, this, this is a kid. He's really not a kid, but in age wise he is, but he's deadly serious um, about the game He's always the last uh, person that comes off the ice uh, in, in practices. He's often out there, uh, you know, in before morning skates, working on his game. Um, there's, there's just a vibe about him that really, uh, you know, almost screams being an eventual captain one day. I've got to think uh, that, uh, you know, either one of those two, um, you know, more than Trevor Zegers, I think we're going to be destined to be wearing the C in the future. All right. We've got a couple more minutes left here with you, Eric. So we'll throw one more question at you just because, you know, flames are me playing this team and kind of the, the guy that opponents typically watch out for is Trevor Zegras. He's currently on pace for, you know, another career year. He's at 22 goals, 58 points. He's the number one center. I believe he's uh, playing with Brock McGinn now who the team picked up on waivers. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of year is Trevor Zegras having this season to kind of wrap up this conversation? Cause I'm sure he's going to be, uh, someone to watch for tonight. 
Yeah, no, you know what I, I you know, I think he's had a a, a pretty good year overall. Um, I, 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 you know, he's putting up the points. Uh, you know, he's scoring the goals. Uh, he should be tapping you know, last season's uh, numbers when he was a, a Calder Trophy runner-up. Uh, I think the key area uh, going forward is is that you know he's starting to make some you know very incremental strides in the other areas of his game, whether it's taking face-offs, whether it's playing, you know, defense whatsoever. He's not there yet as a finished overall um, all-around center or product, and, and, and who knows if he'll eventually get there. We know about the kind of, you know, talent and playmaking that he has. We've seen the highlight, you know, plays that, that he comes <laughs> up with. Uh, but I think really going forward is, is that is he going to be able to develop those other maybe less glamorous uh, aspects of the game to where he's not just being a personality herself, but he's actually being a true star, perhaps even a superstar down the line. That's what I want to see in terms of his development going forward. Awesome. Well, great stuff, Eric. Thank you so much for, for hopping on and doing this. I know you had a late night with the Kings last night and then you got the Ducks this evening. So and enjoy the game tonight and thanks for making the time. Haley, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, awesome. Anytime. Uh, there goes Eric Stevens. He covers the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks for the Athletic. He joined us on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline, and the guest hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out a delivery at 403 248 3344. Uh, Calgary Flames and Anaheim Ducks, just a reminder tonight, puck drop at 8 p.m. pregame here on Sports at 960 at 7. No morning skate uh, today in Anaheim, so we'll get starting goalie and any kind of lineup information at warmups. Uh, one thing we do know from the Duck side is that John Gibson is going to start for the Ducks. We're going to head to a quick break and coming up next, we're going to talk to Julian McKenzie. He covers the Calgary Flames for the athletic and dive in a little bit more on, on this flame season, what comes next and, and tee up the game tonight even further. That's coming up next on hockey central on sports at 960 the fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, welcome back in final segment of the show. Hockey Central continues. A little bit of news that just came through from Jeff Merrick, Sportsnet's Jeff Merrick, uh, is that Gina Kingsbury has been promoted to the VP of Hockey Operations. She will join the leadership group for the men's, women's, and paranational teams at Hockey Canada. Gina is currently the, or I guess not currently because she'll now be the VP, but Kingsbury, for those who, who might not know, I mean, she's been based in Calgary for several years. That's where the, the Hockey Canada hub is for the women's national teams and Gina has been the general manager so to speak for the Canadian women's national team that has won the last two women's world championships at the last Olympics so lots of success under Gina Kingsbury for Team Canada and she gets a, uh, a promotion to VP of Hockey Operations with Hockey Canada so that's a little bit of news from Jeff Merrick there I uh, haven't seen an official uh, release from Hockey Canada, so not a ton of details that we can report at this time, but just wanted to to bring that up as we come back into the show. Uh, and before we head back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline uh, right now, because we have Julian McKenzie on the line. He covers the Calgary Flames at The Athletic. Julian, what's up? Welcome back to the show. 
Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's been it's been busy. Lots going on here, but it's been good. Things are going well. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah, things are busy here too. It's been uh, a really interesting season with the Flames, to say the least. But I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm enjoying this experience. I mean, I mean, just for the writing, I'm not enjoying their downfall. I'm just enjoying the experience sure. of reporting on all of it. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of the first question here uh, as we kind of bring you back into the show. It, it's been a while. So like, what has this first year been like on this beat? I mean, it, it's been an odd year to say the least. I mean, my first year in Calgary was a very Jekyll and Hyde season as well. I mean, that ended up with Jeff Ward getting relieved of his duties and Daryl Sutter getting hired in the middle of the year. Uh, so there was lots of drama in my first season on the beat. But like, what's this been like for you, Julian? And what's kind of your... You're kind of like fresh-eyed take on this team. I can't think of any team that I've ever been around in any form, whether during my time at The Athletic or any other sport I've covered for any other outlet I've been at that has been like this. There's just been a lot of bad puck luck. Uh, but it seems as if now, like the, the thing that I think people are going to be wondering about is, is just – the dynamics at play with, with the way the players are with all the changes and, and all of that. I have to say, like, I really thought that in spite of all the changes that the flames made this past off season, um, that they were still going to be uh, a, maybe not perfect, but a playoff team. Like I never, I never considered in my wildest dreams that this team would be in this position where, like they have at least according to our friend Dom, like a little over 20% chance mm -hmm. at making the playoffs and that they would have opportunities where, you know, maybe they get wins over Vegas or, or, or Dallas, but in easy opportunities where they can get wins over Arizona and Anaheim to make their chances better, they stumble <laughs> at the gate. Like it's just, it's mm -hmm. been at least just watching the team. It's been a very frustrating uh, time I can imagine what it's like for fans and and I I understand where they're coming from I, I think just in terms of being in the locker room and, and talking to the guys and and hearing some of those stories and writing about it it's been a really cool experience and something I think will go mm -hmm. a long way in my own personal development but just with the team itself like man I I, I understand the frustration that Flames fans are feeling because this is this is unlike anything they've seen this is unlike anything I've seen it, there's a lot going on well, it's a tricky thing to diagnose, right? Because it's not really one central thing that's going wrong. It's not a consistent thing that's been going wrong. Well, I think the, you know, <laughs> lack of, of goal scoring at important times has kind of been one of them. But we've also seen that at times. We've seen Tyler Toffoli come through with a big goal. We've seen them score seven goals against an opponent, you know, dropping multiple goals on a team like Vegas. So it's been, it's a difficult team to like really and truly dissect because what is going wrong kind of keeps changing on a dime and it they either fix it or something new pops up or that old thing is a problem again. There's, it's been, you know, a, a giant, you know, soup of, of things <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> phrase. It's like, um, I don't know, stew. I'm trying to picture it. It's <laughs> like if you're trying to fix like a pipe and like you think you yeah. fixed a hole and then there's like another hole that pops up and then you try to fix that hole. But then the first hole you tried to fix isn't working and you go back to that. Then there's another hole that pops up and you try to fix that. And then for a moment you look back and you think, okay, everything's good. 
and then another mm-hmm. pull, another hole like bursts from the pipe. It's just if one yeah. thing works, then another thing doesn't work. If then there, yeah. then you have a night like against LA where nothing works. Yep, and in some ways that's almost like you know that that's kind of what happened in, in my first year. That's what happened a couple of years ago, and and they, you just kind of had to scrap it and say, well, that was weird. And then the next year, obviously, last season better, but. You know, you can't really just scrap it and say that was a weird year when that's kind of a, a pattern that continues to happen. I, I saw a stat on Sportsnet last night during the broadcast. I believe you saw this too, Julian. It was the season in review, and I think it kind of, you know, captures what you're saying about you've never really been around anything like this, and it was some of the stats. So there was 41 games that were decided by one goal. 26 of those games, the Flame had lost the flames had lost they've had 15 overtime or shutout losses 77 posts hit the most in the nhl zero third period comebacks and 21 losses when out shooting opponents by 10 plus that is one of the most in nhl history it's just (laughs) it's a lot that's a lot to digest there it's just been and i know that's not like this Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I know Flames fans do. will say, like, yo, man, it's a curse. <laughs> this team is cursed. We're, we're doomed to be mediocre. And, like, I looked at those stats, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? They might have a point. <laughs> like, something's weird. And it's not the, like, it's just, it's such a hard thing to try to explain. And it's terrible for, for radio and for writing. Cause it's hard to explain all of those different things because it's probably been multiple things at different points in the season. Um, but let's maybe hone in a little bit on last night's game, Julian, before we kind of look ahead to tonight. Flames, 8-2 loss to the Kings. Is that one that you just have to scrap it and move on to this one against Anaheim? Um, it's basically, I put up a GIF, I think that kind of symbolizes it. It, There's that episode of Parks and Recreation where Ron Swanson, uh, learns about internet cookies and then he throws his computer in the dumpster. That's basically what the Flames have to do with anything from that game footage from against the Los Angeles Kings, because there's nothing good from that game. The goaltending was bad. The defending was bad. Mm -hmm. The offense was bad. They got the two goals, but nothing went Right. They have to file it and forget it. But the problem is, is that like if in the grand scheme of it's one thing if this happened in November, you know, we'd be like, whoa, like this is this is bad. But it's so earlier in the mm-hmm. season. You could just be like, you know what, man, it was a bad game. You file it and you forget it. But this is coming mm-hmm. off a result against the Dallas Stars, where one of the things that was pointed out was that they did not have a good start. And then they battled back and they found a way to put it to, well, I mean, not really. They found it. They had a lead and they lost it, but it went to overtime. But you, you mm-hmm. were thinking more, well, we were probably thinking that they would probably have a better effort considering that they just came off a game where they had a bad start. And then for them to lay an egg in the first period, considering the circumstances uh, put in front of them, where if they won that game and then they win tonight, they could find themselves in a situation where they're a lot closer to the Winnipeg Jets. There's still hope for this team, even if the chances go down. But they kind of, they messed it up. Not kind of, they, they messed that up. And it's the worst <laughs> loss they could have had at such an inopportune time this season. So I guess this kind of ties back to, to what we were kind of joking about almost with the curse. Like, is this Flames team... Is this bad luck that they're kind of facing lately, or are they just 
you know, not a very good hockey team. I think you're allowed to say both. This team is not as good as what we thought it was going to be. Uh, I think they've had nights where, you know, the 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 winnow meter on hockey, uh, what's the website? Money Puck would probably Money point Puck, in their yeah. direction. Exactly. But like it just, you know, after a while with the with the with the roster that they have, like they should still be so much better than what they've been able to provide at different chunks in this year. You know, they they playing up to the competition, playing down to the competition. Jonathan Huberto is not playing as well as people would like him. And we've said this throughout chunks of the year, but it has to be reiterated again. We're gonna have to start looking at Nazem Kadri's play too. This is a guy who had a really hot start and he's cooled off mm-hmm. to the point where I'm genuinely watching games and I'm realizing like, oh, wait a minute. Like it's the third period. This is the first time I've noticed Nazem Kadri. Like the best players on this team, for whatever reason, are not effective. And considering the roster that's been put in place, it is more than fair to question if uh, the coaching staff in place is doing everything they can to get the most out of those players. I think it's fair to question if doing all those changes was the right thing to do. But I also think it's fair to start asking like, hey, you know, you have all these players. They had all these games to get accustomed to the style that's in place. Why is the team still going through the results that they're going through? It's 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 a bad loss against LA. And I think just, you know, it's opening a lot of what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of cracks in 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 mm-hmm. this team and it just doesn't look good under there right now i think bad luck plays into it but they're not the team that a lot of people thought they would be it's it seems and, and we heard this from from elliot friedman he talked about this on 32 thoughts on monday on that podcast i believe the clip was played um on sportsnet today yesterday like it, it does seem like there is a disconnect between you know the players and Sutter in terms of that communication um so this is kind of the the situation they're in is like you know Daryl Sutter has a new contract you have players who are under massive contract extensions and it's like what's kind of the next step do you just hope that next year's better <laughs> I, I guess this is the, but this I also... is the problem because and then you look at some of those stats we were just discussing and it's you know losing games where they're out sh- out shooting teams by 10 plus i mean is that a, a finishing problem is, is it a goaltending problem and you're kind of stuck in the middle with all of these different things i think they just need to kind of pick the areas that they're going to fix and really commit to that i i think that's a good way of looking at it but i also wonder like is this team going to have to pick between some of those guys on the roster or are they going to have to pick with daryl pick daryl sutter's side because like I don't know. Like, I, I think with the system that's in place, with the with the casting characters that is there, and just seeming to hear, you know, about the rumblings that might be coming in. I think Pat Steinberg yesterday was saying that, you know, there there are guys who are clearly not happy in that room. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like if this was any other situation, any other coaching staff, any other market, any other contract situation. I think we know what the what the team would do, but I think because of this unique situation that the team is in, where Daryl Sutter has meant so much to this organization as much as he has, and has a contract extension that kicks in at the start of next year, I don't think it's a straightforward question or straightforward thing to be like, well, he should be fired. Like, well, it's it's not. It's not at all a straightforward thing. But I also think with mm-hmm. the players that they have, like something is not working, and that needs to be evaluated, and that needs to be considered 
going forward. If you're going to just be like, hey, well, you know what, man? This was just bad luck. We're just going to run this all back next year. I don't know, man. Uh, someone tweeted out, like, how many weeks ago? The definition of insanity or whatever. Like, I think that kind of files under that. Sure. I think that was Alan Walsh who tweeted that. The definition oh, really? of insanity is doing the same thing. It's doing the same thing constantly and hoping for a different result. Something like that. Yeah. So, well, and, and this is a tough one because... You know, actually, let's move on because you had um, a segment on your podcast that you have on the uh, Steve Dangle podcast network about Matt Coronado. Maybe this is like a bit more of an exciting thing to hear from fans, <laughs> potentially like what's uh, what's yes. going on with Matt Coronado. And, and do you think he's going to sign his ELC and, and play with the Flames this season when, when the Harvard year's up? So uh, I had a conversation with him uh, a couple of days ago, just before the CAC playoffs began. And, you know, he tried to, you know, just be stoic and say, like, you know, hey, I'm going to be here with my guys. Uh, I'm going to play through this playoffs, see what happens after that. Um, and since then, you know, this team has found itself into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I know Eric Francis uh, put it out there already that uh, Brad Trilliving is expected to uh, be at the tournament to see Matthew Coronado. I... I don't know. I, I get the sense that like I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't sign at this point. It seems like all indications, including when uh, uh, Chris Johnston and I uh, off the SDPN network uh, was was briefly speaking about Coronado uh, on our podcast. It seems like all things should be good on that front. And if Coronado does join uh, and he gets to play some NHL games, uh, I think that's something that fans can genuinely look forward to. It, it seems like he could fit avoid uh that this team needs a, a right-handed shot a, a guy who could play top nine or top six a guy who could score goals uh the work motor the work rate on this guy uh has been praised to no end i know you know about that as well Haley. um mm -hmm. he's somebody i think could fit on on this team I, I i think just with the cast of characters that they have they could use a type of player like matthew coronado of course he's 20 years old and still has to adjust to you know going from college to to playing at the nhl level i mean there's there's guys on that team too who know what that's like the walker doers of the world and blake coleman's of the world know who know what it's like to, what it's like to go from college to to play in the nhl and if he does sign he needs to be afforded that time uh but essentially from that segment uh cj was just saying that uh it looks pretty good on the front of of, of coronado signing if it gets to that point uh but uh, yeah, you can't blame Bradshaw Living and, and the Flames for, you know, flying out uh, to the tournament. I, I, I would kind of call it a full court press as far as I'm concerned, because I mean, he could easily just stick around <laughs> with his team that's trying to make it to the playoffs. But if you're going to go out to this tournament and, and you know, look at your guy and see how he does uh, with his university, I that tells me you're pretty interested in this guy signing with your team or at least hearing him out with what he has to say. <laughs> Sure. And there's also something to be said about, you know, just scouting your first round pick and, you know, going out and doing those scoutings. This is a major tournament, so they'll get eyes on on Coronado and like other potential uh, college free agents like that's a big that's a big scouting uh, moment, I think, for for NHL front offices. But obviously it does sound like things are trending in the right direction when it comes to. Uh, Coronado potentially signing his entry level contract. And yeah, the, the adjustment can be 
tough going from NCAA to the NHL. Obviously, it's a completely different jump. But, you know, I had a really good conversation earlier in the year with Maddie Beniers, and he spoke about, and this is different, this is second overall pick versus, you know, I think uh, Coronado was 13 or 14 uh, when he was selected right. by the Flames. Maybe it was 12. Um, but, you know, Beniers spoke about the, you, like, it was almost less pressure because you're just jumping in for the final 10 games of the season like you're not expected to try to help the team I mean you're already kind of this Kraken were already out of the playoffs so he was just hopping in trying to get his feet wet in the NHL and he had three goals and nine points in in those 10 games so there's probably something to be said you know I guess we'll see what the the pressure situation's like if the Flames are in a playoff spot or or still in the fight or or way out of it so we'll see how that goes but Sounds like things are trending in the right direction for Coronado. Yeah, it's looking like it. I should mention, too, uh, uh, if memory serves, like, was Ben Years, like, 19 or 20 when he joined uh, that Kraken team? I mean, that's still around the age of, yep. of Matthew Coronado. Um, yep. and He's only funny, 20 you know, now, so. <laughs> exactly. He's yeah, still only 20. <laughs> Jeez, just making us feel old every day. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think with, uh, you know, they're – even if, uh, you know, Beniers is a uh, player who is a lot more highly touted than, than Matthew Coronado, I think the fact that, you know, he could look to guys like him who, you know, are, could be entering the league at his age uh, or at least around his age as, you know, some kind of example. Another player who also mm -hmm. comes to mind uh, is Cole Caulfield, who I believe was also 20 when he joined uh, the Montreal mm -hmm. Canadiens. And in a bit of a different situation, in his case, he ended up joining the team for a pretty impromptu playoff run. So there is mm -hmm. a, a a case study for a, a young college player who is able to join a team and kind of fit in in some way for the playoffs if it works out that way. So I think there are no shortage of examples for Matthew Coronado to look at if he chooses to uh, sign that ELC and join the Calgary Flames uh, in terms of just trying to figure out how to handle certain situations with regards to transitioning from being a college player to an NHL player. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. So great stuff, Julian. We'll uh, we'll have to do this again. Thank you. Uh, sounds good. Uh, talk to you soon. Okay. There goes Julian McKenzie on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. He covers the Calgary Flames for the athletic uh, big picture chat about uh, his first year covering the team and maybe what's going on with the Calgary Flames this season. Uh, that's all the time we had, as I said, for Hockey Central here on Sports at 960. Just a reminder, uh, Ducks and Flames puck drop tonight at 8 pregame at 7 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.